I'm Maria. I'm Shadio. And I'm Amber. We're from Jerusalem. We're the producers of the Women Behind the Wall podcast. This podcast features stories of how the political seeps into the private lives of people in Israel and Palestine, and how women experience the conflict. These narratives give you a glimpse into the lives of women with deep hopes and aspirations. Most of the women interviewed live in the West Bank. They're women behind the wall. We hope you stay a bit, listen to their stories, and hear the messages they hope you'll hear. Today on Women Behind the Wall, we hear from Sarah, a Christian Jerusalemite Palestinian who shares how an identity card is worth striving and sacrificing for. For the first years of her marriage, she lived in a home on one side of Israel's separation wall where she gave birth to her three children, while her husband lived just a few meters away on the other side of the wall. Listen to Sarah's story and her desire to live a life beyond just hoping for her family to experience their basic human rights. My name is Sarah. My family took Israel ID since 67, and then we have Israel ID because I live in Jerusalem, and my mother gave birth at hospital in Jerusalem. But after the second intifada, they put a wall, so my family's house uh, go out of Jerusalem. The wall is very near my family house, like 10 meters, but they tell us that your house is not in Jerusalem now. They changed the line of Israel Authority. According to Israel's municipal boundaries, there are approximately 850,000 people living in Jerusalem. Nearly 40% of them are Palestinian Jerusalemites. Shortly after Israel conquered East Jerusalem during the 1967 war, Israel annexed East Jerusalem and gave Palestinian Jerusalemites permanent residency status and Israeli ID cards, which is a status that is sometimes granted to foreign nationals in Israel. However, in contrast to foreign nationals who have another country they call home, Palestinian Jerusalemites know no other home. My husband has a Palestinian ID. Because I have Israel ID, I have to live in Jerusalem, not in the West Bank. My children, the eldest, 11 years old, and 8 and 6. Sarah shares about her husband, who is from the West Bank. In order to keep her own Israeli ID and pass the same status on to her children, Sarah must live in Jerusalem. Her husband lives just beyond the wall, in the Bethlehem area. In order for him to visit her, he has to apply for special permits, or what is referred to as permission. And uh, when my husband took permission, he had to to go inside Jerusalem from a checkpoint. It wasn't easy to take. He had to go out and uh, walking, not inside the car. They have uh, time, like, from uh, five o'clock till seven o'clock or but like this hours uh, he can't sleep sarah's husband was often granted a type of day permit where he could enter israel during set hours 
but he was not allowed to spend the night in Jerusalem with his wife and children. Israel's civil administration has numerous types of permits governing Palestinian movement, both within the West Bank and between the West Bank and Israel. There are permits to worship at holy sites, medical permits, wedding permits, funeral permits, and court hearing permits, to name a few. Permits must be applied for, and there are no guarantees that one will receive a permit. They are generally issued for a specific period of time, sometimes for a few hours, sometimes for a few days, sometimes longer. When I was pregnant with my first child, I went to my family's house. Then the, the national insurance came and they told me that the house you live now, they changed the line and he's out the line. He's, in, he's now in, not in Israel, in West Bank. So they cut off all the insurance for my family and my grandfather and my grandmother and my father don't want them to feel sad. So he told my grandfather, don't go to the bank because the insurance in Israel, they give a monthly payment for the old people. So my father told his father, my grandfather, told him don't go to the bank because it's too many people. And he give him every month the 3,000 shekels for him and for my grandmother. And they didn't know that they cut off their insurance and it's difficult for them because all the past years they were paying to have insurance and they cut off everything. After that when I was at my family house, my father's, and they told us that this house it is not in the under Israeli authority. So we read the house. So my family live with me at the same house because my husband um, didn't have permission to go to Jerusalem. Sometimes Sarah's husband had a permit, and other times, when he needed one, his applications were denied. Sarah shares what this was like as she gave birth to their children. When my first child, and my husband doesn't have permission, then he called me, told me, Sarah, don't wait me. <laughs> I want to go to have permission. Then he got permission, but not for the day, the next day. And he returned back and told them, and they give him another permission for the, the same day. And he saw my first child. He was with me. Because it takes me 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> my second child, he didn't see him. He saw his child after 10 days. Yeah, and my father gave him a picture of his son. He told him, no, I don't want to see my child on the picture. I want to see him face to face. It was difficult, but you know, I feel that God with me because it's, it was the very easy birth. We were praying and we know that God with us. And we feel when you are in God's hands, you can't feel because he's with you and he knows everything. At the birth of Sarah's third child, he was able to be with her. At that time, my husband has a permission 
so he he was with me at the hospital. Raising small children with her husband on the other side of the wall was extremely challenging for Sarah. It was very difficult for me because of the school. Before I give birth with my third child, I was to go wake up early and took my second child and first child to the school. It takes one hour sometimes to go and return back and after two hours to go and return back. And I was alone because my husband that time didn't have permission. It was very difficult for me to live alone, to go inside West Bank and return back, to give him his food and to clean his house and feed my husband and to took his clothes and something and to return back at three o'clock. <laughs> Sometimes, because I have many things to take, I put my husband's food on the car <laughs> and I forget it. <laughs> and <laughs> I drive my car and everything off. <laughs> Sometimes after the checkpoint, I put my car on the side and I stopped and I was crying. I don't know what to do, where to live here or where to live there. It was very difficult. We asked Sarah what her family thought of how she lived. She shares her parents' response. Every time they told me, we don't know how you live like this. If we live like you, we will be crazy. She also shares her husband's response. My husband, he always was encouraged me a lot. And he told me that the Israel ID for my children is better. So we have to sacrifice it. We ask Sarah what it means to have an Israeli ID. The Israel ID makes the life more easy. It's better. It's um, very good. They have insurance. The hospital there, it's very good. If you want to go outside to travel, you can enter from the airport. But if you have a Palestinian ID, you have to go to, to Jordan and from Jordan to any place. It's difficult. I remember once my first child, he was three years old. He gave me a paper, a small paper, and he drew a man. <laughs> he told me, Mom, this is Israel ID for my father. <laughs> Ensuring the next generation has Israeli IDs with all the rights that it brings is something that Jerusalemite parents fight hard to get for their children. We ask Sarah if her children have an Israeli ID today. All my children got birth in Jerusalem. Uh, they didn't have the Israeli ID because after I don't know what's happened. We want to go to the Ministry of Interior to register my children. I don't know what's happened. We go to a lawyer and he wants money, money, like $10,000. It's too much because he told me, if you don't want to give me your paper and pay, you will never register your children. Sarah married into a landowning family from the West Bank with a different set of challenges. We have a farm surrounded by settlements. This land, our land, was under Turkish and Britain and Jordanian and Israel. Our land is it's very large. 
we have like 60,000 meters square for my husband and his brothers. But we have 30,000 in the middle of all the settlements, so we can't go in. So we have another 30 for every brother, 10, 10, 10. It's uh, forbidden for us to build there. Most of the settlements have uh, Jewish, have uh, caravans, because we are Arab, we can't build there. Palestinian property owners in Jerusalem and the West Bank have many challenges building. They are not given permits to build on their private property, but land around them, even land beyond the Green Line, allocated for a Palestinian state, has many homes, neighborhoods, and towns that continue to expand, but only for Jews. Palestinians who apply for building permits in order to build homes or expand on their private property are usually rejected. Those who build on their private property without permits often face house demolition by Israeli authorities. Sarah shares a bit more about her family's farm and their experiences. On our land, we don't have electricity and neither we can't build. So the settlement have electricity and we can't. We have many types of trees like grapes, apple, pomegranate, almonds, olive trees, peach, lemon, and apricots. And we have water from village there, but not too much. When you plant trees, the trees become like your child when you every day water it and become bigger. Palestinian landowners in the West Bank, especially those close to illegal Israeli settlements, often face Israeli vandalism and violence. And Israeli soldiers or security officers often protect settlers when they engage in acts of vandalism. They broke 100 trees. My husband, when he returned back, he saw that uh, they was broken. So when he come back, the security turned the sound, that's alarm. They go out, the settlers. After that, the security watcher, he has sheep and he was in the mud. He can't drive. And my husband saw him and he took his tractor and go out and he took the, the, his uh, and the watcher and security. He was afraid. He thought that my husband will come to revenge and he go out from his car and my husband told him, no, please come, I want to help you. Uh, because God teach us to love every, every person. So he helped him and he was a friend with the, the security. The manager saw that my husband and the security was a good friend. He told why you are put your guns away and you are with your enemy. He told him about my husband that he's a good man. He loves every people. And after that, they changed the watcher. We ask Sarah what she thinks of Israeli settlers in light of what her family has experienced. They are afraid from us, and we are afraid. <laughs> it's both both sides. I feel that the settlements they have a bad image about Arab. They feel that all the Arab hate Jewish like that. The settlement they can go inside the West Bank. There's a settlement, the place was in West Bank. They have all their rights, and I'm um, because um, Arab. 
I can't take my rights. I have to live in Jerusalem. And it's not fair. They have everything to do. They can build, they have water, and they have electricity. We can't. We need our rights. There are many challenges, but in the midst of it all, Sarah shares how she talks to her children about the conflict. Our God teach us to love each other, to be good with our enemies. And I teach my children to love everyone because God teach us to love everyone and to be kind of them. Because I feel that there are kind people and good people in Muslims and Jewish and Christians and there are bad people in Christians and the Jewish and the Muslims. So we have to be kind and for everyone and to love each other. We ask Sarah what she thinks can change. About the situation, I don't know what will happen for like for tomorrow. And after years we don't know what to do. Yes. We can have our future image. We live by faith really and what God wants from us to do. Especially here in West Bank, you will see many Christians migrate. We don't have peace from this land, from this earth. We just have the peace from God. You know, like my family, they were paying all their insurance and they put the wall, they cut off their insurance, they have nothing. So in this area, in this country, if you don't have God and God's peace, you can't live peacefully. We asked Sarah if she has anything she would like Israeli women to know about her situation. You spend your life paying to get your rights. My children got birth in Jerusalem, all my children. But today, my children don't have the Israeli ID. Maybe the lawyer now, I don't know how much I will pay for him. If I don't have these, many things to pay. Maybe I can have a new car or I teach my kids swimming or something like that. Many things I can use this money. But I can't do that because I want to give the money for the lawyer to register my children, to have many things. We asked Sarah if she has anything she would like women outside of Israel and Palestine to know about her situation. Especially here, we feel that we are living here to have our rights. First of all, I want our insurance, my children's rights. In other countries, they think what they are going to next month. They want to travel, they have a gym, they have daily life. Here, we live to have our rights. Sarah mentions an organization she likes that is making a positive impact in Palestine. It has activities for kids. If you would like to donate to this organization that provides one of the few indoor play centers in the West Bank, check out the link to the organization on our website. Thank you for listening to Sarah's story. If you'd like to learn more about the issues raised in this episode, hear more stories, or connect with us, you can do so through our website at womenbehindthewall.com. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, share this episode, or drop us a note. Until next time!